Welcome to Nomad Yarners, the fiber arts podcast with a bit about the rest of life thrown in. Hosted by Dave and Erica, husband and wife yarn shop owners in Indiana, USA. This is episode 72, recorded the week of the 10th of December, 2018. Today's segments include What You're Working On, Woody Knits, and Kickstarter Special. Sit back, get comfy, and enjoy the show. So, Erica, what have you been working on this past two or three weeks now? That's true. Last podcast episode was all about our big announcement. In case you missed it, the brick and mortar Nomad Yarns will be going away to be replaced by a mobile truck, like a food truck, but with yarn. And listen to last week's podcast if you want to hear more about that. Um, But that means that we didn't talk about any of my what you're working on for uh, for the last two weeks. So I have quite a bit. In the knitting bag, I have been continuing to make progress on my December pattern, and that pattern will be live and available for download uh, in next week's episode. Um, I actually finished it and bound all the way off today, Um, so it needs to be blocked. Um, And this is going to be one of our new style patterns which will have video tutorials for any of the tricky steps in the pattern. And I'm actually, because blocking will make such a difference on this piece, I'm actually going to be doing a video on blocking as well, because I know that that is something that people often have questions about. It's a good plan. Um, So I bound that off today at work, um, and I will be blocking it and getting the finishing touches put on the pattern here in the next day or two. I'm excited. I think this piece looks really cool, and I love the yarn that you've used. Yep, Stargazer, it's a llama silk blend, it's a worsted weight, and this is a crescent-shaped short row and lace shawl. It came out well, I'm excited. I messed up a decrease in one section, and I think I will show it in the blocking video, how much blocking can make uh, <laughs> make an improvement. Uh, the I just decreased a few too many stitches in a row in one spot, so instead of a nice smooth curve, there's a little bit of a stair-step effect happening. Um, but I can block it out. Um, and obviously the pattern will tell you to do it the right way. I just put a design <laughs> feature in. Um, I've also been continuing to make progress on my gradient shawl. Um, this is actually a very similar uh, stitch pattern to the short row crescent shawl that will be the December pattern, um, but without the short row lace sections. Um, but I'm working from, I'm doing two rows from one end of a gradient ball. The ball that I'm using is all purple, um, and it goes from a very light purple to a very, very dark purple. And so I do two rows from the light end of the of the ball, and then two and two rows from the dark end of the ball. So I have, starting off at the beginning of the shawl, I have very distinctly different stripes. But as I get more towards the middle of the ball with both ends, um, the stripes get more and more subtle as we get more towards medium purple uh, with the whole thing. So I'm pleased. It's fun. It's been fun to work on, um, and I like the way it's coming out. Um, it looks really cool. I think you've posted pictures of this on the Facebook now, so people can I see have. it. Yep, so go on over and like Nomad Yarn's Facebook page um, to see pictures as well. Also in the knitting bag, what I will be talking about in my Woody Knit segment this week um I have been doing some more knitting on a sweater for Dave that I finished for him 10 years ago. He wears it absolutely all the time, and it needs regular repairs. It's my very, very favorite sweater, so it gets a lot of wear. Uh, and he's not delicate with his uh, with his clothes. Uh, so that, it, That's a polite way of saying <laughs> I'm a clumsy <laughs> 
Um, so this has had many repairs done to it, and uh, this is the most extensive one, the one that I'm almost finished with now. Uh, so that's what I'll be talking about in Woody Knits. Have you done a bunch of videos for that as well that you'll be I have. Um, if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, you will be seeing... Um, I'm going to do a, a poster to, or a video or two over there showing kind of the steps. I repair some holes, I take out a cast on, um, and and knit some new ribbing and things with that. And I thought people might, might be interested to see how I do it. Um, and all of these social media links are also on the right sidebar on our new look website. So if you go to the podcast website or just go to nomajanshop.com, you'll see all our social media there in the right-hand tab. Um, that is all in the knitting arena that I have been doing. Um, but in the sewing room, I made another car seat poncho, uh, for a friend of mine. Uh, I have made, this is the fourth one now. It's a free pattern from Stitch Upon a Time called The Riding Hood. And, uh, it is, works easier when you're putting your small children in car seats um, then a winter jacket, uh, it's just a, a fleece and flannel, uh, hooded poncho, uh, and you can flip it up and put them straight in the car seat instead of having to take off and on their bulky winter coats. I love it, um, and... I'm not so convinced. Yeah, Dave doesn't think it's easier, but he's wrong. <laughs> um, it's way easier. <laughs> Note, I put the kids in the car most of the time. <laughs> but I have a friend um, who has a kid just a few months older than Rowan, um, and she and I went to the fabric store and picked out some fun fabric for it, so I made another one of those. It's a free pattern. I highly recommend it. It only takes me an hour or two to make the whole thing, cutting out the fabric all the way through to finishing it. And don't let me discourage you. It's, it's not harder, and they look really stinking cute, and they're very, very warm. Duh. Um, so I got another one of those done. I've also been making more snack bags. Um, I actually think this is a continuation. I said it was like a 15-minute project, and I totally lied. Um, it's totally well, it would have been if you hadn't broken four needles. Yeah, I, I'm making four snack bags, and it's taken me like four weeks to do it because it, it, the technology has not been a friend of mine. Um, but they're actually completely done now, um, and I am getting ready to mail those. Those are going to be part of our Christmas gift for the UK contingent. We are sending snack bags and a sewn present that I haven't started yet, but really need to because we need to mail them like in two days. Guess um, what Eric is going to be doing after the podcast tonight. <laughs> um, along with a uh, another sort of snack creating food item that we're going to be sending from Etsy. I sent that today. It's top secret in case they're listening. Yeah, they're not listening. Um, <laughs> So that was in the sewing room, um, and I feel like there have been several sewing projects that I've said that I was starting to work on. I was going to make a winter winter coat for Rowan. I was going to make a coat, a winter coat for myself. I was going to make another uh, jacket with a hood for myself. I swear I am still planning these projects. I didn't just stop talking about them never to be heard from again. They're all like all of the ingredients and the patterns are all in nice neat little piles in the room. Ready it's, to go. It's got I a just, whole lineup of nicely, neatly stacked little piles. Some of them have cut pieces and everything. Yeah, I'm just, I'm having a hard time actually finishing projects. It's like I'm you've feeling, got a lot on your mind right now. I'm feeling very scattered at the moment, <laughs> so I'm not completing as many sewing projects as I would like to be. But such is life. If I'm having fun, I'm doing it right. 
Um, and in the kitchen, um, I've been making more kombucha, which Dave still thinks is gross. Um, <laughs> I have been doing a cinnamon spice uh, kombucha with cranberries, and it's amazing. Um, and if you put cinnamon shops in it, it's even better. Um, and it has the added benefit of using up the cinnamon shops, which Dave thinks is gross. Um, I have also made several red and green colored things to be festive for the December holidays, of which I include my birthday because I was born four days after Christmas and I never get to celebrate it appropriately. So I call it one of the December holidays. It Um, is. It's the most important one. Yep. Uh, so we made red and green marshmallows. Uh, we used the Alton Brown marshmallow recipe um, and food coloring because I wasn't organized enough to do something cooler than than food coloring. You can color marshmallows with like matcha tea and raspberries to get a red and green like natural, but I didn't. I used food coloring. You so, talked about making them strawberry and mint flavor, but we decided that was going to be a bit much. Yeah. Um, so I just made a giant double batch of these marshmallows, and they've been tasty to have on top of hot chocolate. Um, and or in the hand. Like, yeah, they're, the hand too. they're just good snacks. <laughs> I also, last night, uh, I, I'm inspired by books from our library. We have an amazing local library, and there is someone that is in charge of book ordering that is a very good cook, and they get in very interesting cookbooks all the time and so the most recent one that caught my eye is called pasta pretty please and it's all about making pretty pastas colored with natural like fruits and vegetables um and you can make like plaid designs and emoji icon ravioli and like rainbow colored fettuccine and it's just it was cool it was very cool (laughs) And so, of course, I had to do that. Um, And I just made it two-toned, so I made a double batch of pasta dough, the first batch. I whizzed up the liquid in the case of the recipe that I was using. We were making them egg-free, partially because Poppy is allergic to eggs and partially because we didn't have any eggs. Um, So I used milk instead of water. Um, and I just uh, whizzed that up in the blender with some chipotle peppers and adobo sauce. Um, you can get them just in little cans in the grocery store. Um, and so that made the milk turn bright red, which then made the pasta be vaguely red colored. It was more it's kind of red orange. It was more orange than red, but the concept was there. Um, and then the other batch, I did the exact same thing, but with kale instead of with the chipotles. And so that made the milk turn bright green. That one really did stay very green. Um, That was a really pretty color. I liked that a lot. And then we have a super basic um, hand crank pasta maker. Ran the green batch through the pasta maker until it was about on the medium thickness. Um, And then the same thing with the red. And then overlapped and then put one on top of the other and ran it through starting at the thickest, um, the thickest setting and then going down one thinness each time until it was as thin as we wanted it. And so that made, when I then cut them into fettuccine-sized noodles, one side the noodle was red and one side the noodle was green. And they were, like, totally adhered, stuck together, um, just as one sheet of pasta. It was a pretty fun technique. We've made both of those flavors of pasta before, but never Never done the laminating. Yeah, Um, I didn't, it never dawned on me that you could do that. (laughs) Uh, So that was fun. I would, definite high marks would do again, and... 
uh, spicy chipotle and kale was a very tasty flavor combination. Yeah, it goes really well together. Um, and Dave made a like a creamy artichoke. It was and... artichoke with um, pancetta and uh, smoked gouda in a cream sauce. So it was good. It was good. Um, and I think that is about all for what I have been working on. Dave, what have you been working on? Well, I have been doing uh, yarny things behind the scenes. Um so I've not been able to talk about it that much up until now because we were keeping things top secret. But I have been, um, I said I was reorganizing the studio. Well, reorganizing the studio was taking the whole thing apart. Uh, but we're going to be moving it into our, our basement here at the house when we lose the um, the brick and mortar building. Um, so we're going to be converting the basement down here. I've been looking up some new equipment and preparing that, um, what we need to get. Uh, for our Kickstarter, so I'll be talking about that more in a little bit um, and and what kind of our plans are for the Dye Studio. Um, I've also been doing some other stuff with the truck, so um, excitingly we've met with uh, our friend who's an artist on Sunday for brunch, um, and we've talked with her about uh, designing the outside of the truck. So right now it's brilliant white, uh, a little bit grubby from being out in the weather, uh, but we've got some really cool ideas for turning I'm it into... I'm super excited. I think she has some really, really fun things. Um, and she does beautiful work, so I'm very enthusiastic about this. Yeah, we've got some really cool ideas for having it absolutely covered in fibre and fibre animals and bright colours and make you really be able to see it from a distance. So we'll let you know more of that um, as it develops. But if you want to uh, follow Jess, who's our friend... Um, one of Erica's high school friends from a long time ago, and a great... Uh, <laughs> made me sound quite old there. Well... I'm feeling kind of old these days. <laughs> um, I graduated in 03, you can do the math. She does wonderful um, kind of geeky sketches and uh, paintings, as well as has her own company, Bath Omens, that makes soap. So Kahahuna, um, we'll put that in the show notes, uh, is the person to follow. So, yep, and she has, been, she has been sponsored on, or she has been featured on the BBC. She does a lot of Doctor Who um, based artwork, um, and Doctor Who thinks it's cool. Yep, you'll see her at lots of nerdy cons and stuff as well. So, yeah, she's got some great ideas. We're really looking forward to seeing what she uh, kind of puts together for that. Um, I've also been starting to put together where we're going to be going. Um, so I've been looking up all the fiber festivals I can find in the Midwest um, and seeing which will fit in our calendar. So over the next week or so, I'm going to be applying to those, getting our um, our truck in, as well as looking at starting to look at locations for us to go regularly. So if you have any places you think we should be, let us know. Um, in the store, we've had it's been uh, busy for the holiday seasons. We always like to see people come in. I've seen some beautiful things. Um, Erica showed me. Uh, a beautiful piece that uh, someone had made one, one of my custom dyed yarns, which I was really pleased with. Um, in the studio here, I've been continuing to work on the uh, Song of Ice and Fire game. Um, I am nearly-ish done with that. Is I'm this having... the one that you dropped and the sword disappeared forever? Yeah. <laughs> okay, did it reappear? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> um, so there's uh, well over 100 miniatures and, and one of them is currently missing a sword arm because I just finished painting him um, and went to go and put him on his base for a photograph and uh, he fell on the floor and his sword arm has disappeared. So I'll have to either cast a new sword arm, which I attempted and didn't work very well, or crawl around my hands and knees for another two hours and see if I can find it. 
This, the attempt to find the missing arm has convinced me that we need to do a major uh, craft room cleanup because it's the amount of things on the floor that are not sword arms that have recently been dropped is a little bit distressing. <laughs> um, but I'm really through that, so if you, uh, if you do like uh, the Game of Thrones series, we'll have um, lots of pictures of that scene as soon as I finished it. Yep, I'll link him up, uh, Dave's painting studio up on our show notes as well. I don't, uh, I don't link that in all that often just because I figure the actual number of people that listen to the podcast that are also into the the board gaming things that he normally does is probably fairly low, uh, but he does do some really cool painting techniques. So we'll make sure to get a picture into our show notes this week along with a link to his perpetual painting um, page that has more information about what he does. Um, and in the kitchen, I have been uh, cooking up some really fun winter dishes. Um, so we went to a friend's... Uh, kind of Christmas party, uh, late Thanksgiving, early Christmas party, and we made a giant tray of uh, some of my uh, sausage meat and cranberry stuffing. Um, and it turned out that everybody else had bought stuffing, so we ended up bringing most of that home. And when you have there stuffing... There were five trays of stuffing for like 15 people. <laughs> so when you have stuffing, you have to have something to go with it. So now I cooked a pork loin, um, and we had roast pork sandwiches. Uh, it was my... Uh, chipotle and uh, lime and salt marinated pork loin that i've talked about before um so we had those sandwiches and some nice fresh bread and then well you're gonna deal with that leftover so it's been a, a bit of a, a rolling um kind of lot of leftovers we've made but i did make a uh, a big meat pie um, oh, he used hot water, <laughs> hot water crust pastry from the Great British Bake Off. I mean, they didn't invent it, but I yeah, I didn't, it I didn't look it up on the Great British Bake Off. I made a pork pie, but oh. it was self-supporting. He he raised it up inside a um, a springform tin, and then he took the tin off, and it stayed a meat pie. It, yeah, it, it looked it very slumped, impressive. It slumped very slightly. I'd like it to be a bit firmer next time, but it was uh, with the sausage and cranberry stuffing. And a cranberry relish and the sliced pork um, all packed into, a, a, it was probably, what, an 8-inch springform pan? Mm-hmm. Little little one, so it stood up really nice and high. Did you get a photograph of that before you cut into it? I did not. I'm not a very good photographer. <laughs> I don't So there's no pictures. Things. You'll just have to believe that this, this pie was amazing. Or um, darn, you'll have to make another one. I'll have to make another one. What a terrible shame. That means you have to get five more lots of leftovers for me to put in. <laughs> um, so yeah, I made that. It was pretty good. Um, with uh, mashed and carrots. Um, and I think that's about it for my crazy cookery adventures. I made some uh, steak and bean tacos tonight, which were pretty good. Um, but I'm sure I've talked about those before. So, Erica, what have you been wittily missing this week? This week, I wanted to talk just a little bit about knitwear repairs as that has been my primary at least non-work related knitting recently um i there are many different schools of thought about repairing your knitwear there is the famous way of darning socks where you put your socks with a hole in it over a trash can you let go and say darn um and i am fully on board with doing your craft and you're repairing your craft in a way that will make you have the most fun with it. So if making repairs to things doesn't sound like something that you want to do, you absolutely do not have to. 
and for the most part for me i kind of feel like with my knitted things when they reach the end of their natural life um it is okay with me to let them go they serve their purpose um they can they can be done so i am perfectly happy with a lot of knitting projects when they start to get um get well used enough that they just sort of disintegrate on their own uh to let them go but some very special projects are worth the effort of repairing to me um, and this sweater of Dave's is one of them. I knit it for him before he moved here, so it's at least seven years old. It's probably closer to nine years old. Um, you'd, you'd started it just as you opened the store just before. So yeah. it's a while. It's Yep, it's been a while. Um, and it is one that he wears. Dave doesn't really get super cold. Um, so he doesn't wear wool sweaters often, um, but when it gets into the very bitter cold in the winter here in Indiana, um, he wears it, I mean, every day is his only sweater. Um, and I am not in a position to be able to knit him another wool sweater uh, this winter. There's just no chance that that is going to happen. Um, and so I decided I needed to fix the sweater that he has been wearing. Um, there are two... Uh, holes that started off not all that big but have, have grown um, once you've damaged a piece of knitwear um, if you've cut all the way through a thread in it it's just going to start unraveling and the hole is going to just keep getting bigger and and look worse um, and there were so there were two fairly big holes um, in in this sweater now um, and the collar had frayed apart and I'd fixed the collar uh, one time before but now the sleeve cuff was starting to go on one side as well. Um, so I needed in order to fix the holes in the actual body of the sweater I needed more of the yarn that I made the sweater from um, and I did not have more so I actually decided I would cut off the bottom band of the sweater um, to harvest the yarn from that to use to repair the holes and save some for the next time I need to use uh, to repair holes. And I would re-knit the bottom band and the sleeve cuffs in a gray contrast color. The sweater itself is a dark green. Um, and I'd already used a little bit of that gray contrast color at the neckline when I fixed that a couple of years ago. Um, and so that's what I did. Uh, and you can see see the actual fixing um, live on YouTube. Uh, but I, I cut out the bottom, bottom band. I fixed the repairs. There ended up being three, both holes were caused by three stitches. The yarn was cut and, and pulled out through three different stitches. And then they unraveled four or five rows each. So that creates a very big hole. Um, but it truly wasn't that difficult to fix. You just need to catch the three stitches on each side, uh, pick up the dropped stitches. I did choose to double knot the actual ends of yarn that had pulled through. I'm not normally a fan of knotting um, your knitting, but the alternative is to unlace it out through more than those three stitches to get the ends long enough to be able to weave them in. And I just didn't think that I could fix that as invisibly as just the three. Uh, so I double knotted those, Kitchener stitched the live loops back together again, left the tails of yarn for the Kitchener stitch extra, extra long. Um, and then when I wove those in, I just made sure to reinforce all of the areas around it. Um, and especially the place where I had knotted the broken yarn, 
uh, because anytime you tie a knot, that's not going to be as strong um, as if there was not a, a split in the yarn that you tied back together again. Um, you can see the two holes, and when you're when you're looking for it, you can tell that some repair work was done there. But you've got to be looking for it. You're not going to see it from across the room. You've got to be looking pretty hard. They're, they're pretty well hidden. Um, and I totally, I have totally finished re-knitting the bottom band. I was never thrilled. This particular pattern um, had only a one-inch band around the bottom, and it was seed stitch rather than ribbing, and it was not worked on a smaller needle. Um, so this constantly flipped up, which drove me nuts, and it stretched out because it wasn't ribbing that was pulling in nicely. I didn't love the bottom band, so I actually wasn't sad to redo that. Um, the sweater itself was originally done in pieces, uh, but I chose to go ahead and when I put the live loops back on the needle, go ahead and do it from all the way around uh, the front and the back. And so I actually knit the bottom band in the round. Um, just three by one ribbing, which is my favorite ribbing. I don't know why. I like doing it and I like the way it looks. Um, and then I have, I fixed both of the holes. I have completed one of the cuffs of the sleeves um, and I have taken off the second cuff and got the stitches back on the needles, but I have not yet knit the second cuff. I'm only doing like one inch of ribbing at the at the very narrowest cuff of the, of the sleeve. So that part's not taking all that long to do. So it should be ready and wearable again um, in the next two days. I'm really looking forward to it because it's quite cold here in Indiana and I really, really appreciate it. I, I hope I remain to be knitworthy. It's probably about time I knit myself a sweater when I get a spare minute. That's where I could knit you another one. I think one a decade is reasonable. <laughs> um, but part of the issue too is because he doesn't get super cold. I don't want, this was done out of a sport weight yarn. Um, I don't want to knit him anything out of any thicker yarn, but a, Dave is not a petite gentleman, um, a sport weight sweater um, in a men's extra large plus, it takes a while to do. If I could make him one in a worsted or a bulky weight, um, I would, I would, be a lot more likely to get it completed um, but I know that he wouldn't get very much wear out of that um, just because he doesn't get super cold so if I'm going to go to the effort of knitting him something I want it to be something that he will wear and I wear this one a lot yeah, he, does. <laughs> um, he is very knitworthy let's go ahead into our Kickstarter special okay well we talked a little bit um, last week in our crazy excited launch uh, episode about how we're doing a Kickstarter and I really wanted to just kind of go through what our process was, what we're planning to do and hopefully, hint hint, maybe uh, some of you would love to pledge to our Kickstarter and get some cool stuff. Um, and it can very much be used as a holiday gift. These are kits that Dave's going to talk about. The kits themselves will not be available for this holiday season, but if you do pledge, uh, you will see there's a and a frequently asked question about can I give this as a gift if you pledge you can just let us know through the Kickstarter messenger that you plan to give this as a gift and we will get you a certificate that you a digital copy that you can print out um, or email to whoever it is that you chose to get this for um, and then when you're filling out the address label you can have a ship it to whoever you would like it to go to so uh, for those of you who don't know what a Kickstarter is um, basically, how does crowdfunding work? Well, 
um, what we've set up is it's on uh, kickstarter.com. Basically, we are planning to do some major upgrades uh, to our die studio and to our kind of recording space. And we wanted to see if you guys could chip in a little bit to help us get ahead by basically pre-ordering some kits that we're designing. So the way Kickstarter works, it's all or nothing funding. Um, if we meet our funding goal, which isn't very high, it's $2,000 total, we're over 50% there after just a few days. So go and check it out. Um, Other people think it's cool. Yep. <laughs> um, if we meet our funding goal, we'll be able to achieve everything that we want to do in one go. Otherwise, it'll probably take us a little bit longer. Um, so what do you get for pledging? Well, there's a bunch of rewards that I'm going to talk about. Um, those are the kits that we've designed. And part of what we're going to be using the funding for um, is the equipment and the yarn bases for those. So why are we running a Kickstarter? What do we need? Well, as I said, we're expanding my dash studio. We're moving into the basement of the store, uh, the house. And we really want to get some more equipment um, and some larger quantities of dye um, or yarn bases for me to be able to do bigger quantities of yarn all in one go and do some more exciting things. So I'm looking at upgrading from the, um, the small microwaves and um, steamers that we have right now. I'm planning to keep those, but in addition, get some uh, commercial steam tables. I managed to find a couple of those uh, that will allow me to basically run and do a whole kind of 20 skein batch of yarn um, in one dye lot all at once. Or we allow me to do things like gradients and things with mini skeins in the future really, really easily. So that is what uh, I'm the main thing for the dye studio, um, as well as just a couple of extra fans to help get the fumes out of the basement um, and the little utility sink that I want to put in there. So that's the first thing that we want to kind of add in. And then for the recording space, I'll let kind of Erica talk about what we plan to do there. So we have had a very good response, and I have really enjoyed doing the new style patterns uh, each time we are releasing a pattern. Now, instead of just having, instead of just having the the paper pattern um, or the digital pattern, if you're you're purchasing it on Ravelry to actually have some little mini video tutorials that go along with each one. Uh, because I have been teaching classes for so long, knitting, crocheting, um, and helping people as they come into the store with patterns that they're struggling with, as I'm writing a pattern, um, I can tell as I'm typing a phrase, this phrase will throw people off and they won't know how to do it. Um, just because I've helped a thousand people that have come into the shop uh, over the years that, that bring in this this exact phrase from a pattern and say, I don't know what this means. Um, so every time I write in one of those phrases, I make a little note uh, to do a video. And I have been recording generally less than five minute videos. These are very short just on that one specific thing that I know will cause problems in a pattern. Uh, so depending on the pattern and how many of these little tricky spots there are in the pattern, um, there's anywhere from three to six uh, videos for each one of them. And I, uh, I have, have heard good things and to me it makes the most sense to keep these very, very short format. That way you're not watching an entire 20 minute video about a pattern to get to just that one little uh, technique that you have trouble with. Uh, you don't have to try to scroll through the pattern um, or find the time signature for just the issue that you want. 
you can just watch a three minute video on exactly what you want to know instead of sifting through a 20 or 30 minute video on how to do the entire pattern. So how are we going to make those better than we've been doing them? Better recording equipment. Um, better microphones, better uh, ways to make the microphones and the video recorder talk to itself, better tripod for the video recorder so that I can get the <laughs> shots that I want to do and stop putting my phone in a drinking glass, which is how I've been recording videos. Um, we wanted to get the kinks worked out of the style that we were doing with our patterns uh, before we invested in the equipment just to make sure that our vision was really going to work. Um, but we've done, I think, six patterns now with this new format, yep. um, and it works. People are liking it, we are liking it, um, and it's time to, to up our recording game. So we've already invested in a new camcorder, and we've been using it on our old tripod, which is kind of falling apart, so we'll be getting a new tripod. Um, you can hear maybe a little bit of difference. We're playing around with some new microphones. It's not um, going all that well. The other <laughs> recording for this recording is not fantastic. I think we're in the wrong room. Every room in our house has really high ceilings. Um, and we don't have a lot of stuff because we're kind of minimal that way. So in the refit of the, uh, the office space that we're going to have here at the house, um, it's in a little outbuilding we have. Um, part of what we're doing with Kickstarter is we're going to actually set up a little studio in there that has decent lighting for our videos and also has our audio equipment in there. Um, that doesn't have 11 foot ceilings with nothing else in the room. And get some uh, get some new software so hopefully our podcasts and videos will sound and look a little bit better. Yep. Uh, so that is what we need your help getting set up. Um, and like Dave said, you're not, you're not just giving us money. You're pre-ordering kits. Uh, it's just doing it in this one bigger batch will let us invest in everything we need all at once um, instead of having to pick which elements we want to, to go for um, and not being able to improve the quality of the kits all at one time like we'd like to. So we've uh, created our first three kits and these are the ones that we're planning to release. These will be coming out whether the Kickstarter goes ahead or not, but with the Kickstarter they'll be able to go ahead faster and we'll be able to bring you cooler stuff quicker. So that's why we're doing this, to, to make sure that we can get everything out to you all at once. Um, so the first kit, uh, which a lot of you is maybe not relevant, but I'm sure you know somebody who could use it, or maybe you're just listening to this podcast for interest, um, is a Learn to Knit kit, our Cast Onto Cables uh, Learn to Knit kit. Um, we've been... Um, making this for a while now it's been pretty popular on etsy pretty popular in the store uh, we are upgrading that with my hand dyed yarns um using my um licorice twist uh, base we've been calling the finished yarn twisted branch um that's been real popular in the store so we're going to be using that um and uh sourcing some uh, some great notions for it um as well as a, a nomad printed tape measure and then all the packaging for this kit and all of the others are um, recycled items. All of the paper that we're using will be recycled um, and recycled uh, printed paper that we're getting uh, made up for these, including a nice new glossy booklet. Um, and all of the outer packaging is actually recycled locally. So we are making our kit bags from recycled malt bags from two local microbreweries. So immediately next to our brick and mortar shop, there has been a, micro <laughs> a microbrewery. Everybody's moving um, with the new redevelopment that's happening. Um, but they get in large 
quantities of grain bags to do their brewing. Um, these are very, very sturdy bags. They are a combination of paper and plastic sort of melded together. Um, and they can be stitched, sewn, and cut without fraying. Um, so I will actually be making the bags. They will have a little uh, a little window in them um, so that you can actually see and feel the yarn. Uh, they will they will be very sort of gift worthy. Uh, they'll look cool. And I uh, we're also not putting any new trash into the world um, as these bags need to exist to bring the grains um, to the brewer uh, and cannot themselves be recycled uh, just because of the nature of, of what they are. So we are reusing them instead. Um, and they look cool. Uh, I cut them into the size that we need. I wash them and let them dry um, and then stitch them together with the window and the label stitched right onto them. So it's all put together in one thing. Um, I am planning on playing with using, um, using one as an actual project bag, using the window to pull the yarn through. So you would have a um, like if you have a yarn bowl that has a little cutout in it, uh, I plan to do that and see how well they hold up to that because if they can be reused again on top of using them for your kit, I think that'd be even cooler. Yeah, that'd be even cooler. Um, so the, the actual pattern for what, uh, what this is, is it takes you from having never touched a knitting needle before. I shows you how to tie a slip knot, how to do the cast on, how to do the knit stitch, how to do the purl stitch. And then very basics of some pattern reading. Um, so it gives you a word description for how to combine the knits and the pearls in the same row to do a basket weave and a seed stitch. And then it also shows you what that looks like in pattern notation. Um, and then it goes through the same thing for a basic eyelet lace and a very basic cable. And at the end, you create a scarf, a sampler scarf, where you do about six inches of garter stitch and then six inches of stockinette and then six inches of basket weave and seed stitch and eyelet lace the center panel is the cable and then you go back down the other side so that the two sides of your scarf match it's a cute little sample scarf um and it's it's a cute little project to do even if you're not a beginner um so we've had a lot of people do this in the past who are who have been knitting for some time um, so those kits are available uh, for a $35 pledge on Kickstarter. Uh, they will actually retail for $40 um, when we have them in the truck, so you can save a little bit on those. Yep, another benefit for you for pre-ordering. Uh, the second kit is Erica's Afterthought Everything Socks. This has been her most popular uh, for sale pattern we've had on Ravelry of all time. Um, and we're going to be adding to that pattern. Uh, she has some great ideas of things to kind of add into that pattern, uh, some more interesting stitch patterns and, so the and main, details there. The main uh, element of the Afterthought Everything Sock is you make one giant tube and then you cut your knitting, um, cut the tube in half and put a toe on each side and heels into it. And you've created a pair of socks out of just one tube. Um, so it's, it is a neat construction that I really like. Um, and I'm not sure where or how I heard about it or came up with the idea, uh, but it's been a fun one. And it's my favorite way to make socks now. Um, so this is going to be featuring a brand new yarn in the kit. Um, this uh, is a uh, bamboo sauce viscose and uh, superwash merino blend. Um, it's going to make fantastic shot socks with a little bit of sheen to them. Um, and I'm going to be dyeing all of these in some really bright speckle colors. Uh, this kit will come with Erica's favorite needles for doing this, some bamboo double points, 
the glossy brochure and it is going to be packaged in a recycled tennis ball tube. We've from used, a local racket club. Yep, from a local racket club. We've used some of our kits before. These are great for single scan kits and they looks really attractive in a clear tube. Um, so that is available for a $25 pledge um, and those will retail for $30 um, eventually. So again, you get five bucks off with your Kickstarter pledge. And I don't think we mentioned this at the start. These will come with the paper patterns. They will also include a download link to download a free electronic copy as well. So you're getting the paper pattern and the electronic copy of your pattern because I know for a lot of people, they prefer um, to work digitally. They uh, Then you can't lose the pattern and you, there's a lot of different uh, software that you can have it pulled up on Knit Companion and, and things like that. And of course, those YouTube videos that go with it. Yes. And then the final kit is going to be a brand new design that Erica is conjuring up uh, right now. A center out um, lace rectangular shawl. Is it going to be lacy? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Probably. Um, it will not be a, a super intricate lace, but there will probably be... Lace is just holes on purpose. There will be holes on purpose in this jaw, I think. So this is a mystery kit, but it will be a brand new design that we are just doing for these kits. The first brand new design we'll be releasing next year. Um, so this is going to be in the base that I used for our Cirrus, the 100% uh, Sportweight Alpaca. We're going to be doing this in 8-ounce skeins again. You get 660 yards of Sportweight, 100% uh, Alpaca in some beautiful cattle dye colours. I've sold out of a lot of the colours I did for this. I'm going to be extending the colour range um, on all of these yarns from what I've done before. Um, so we'll be getting some really cool uh, new colours for that too. Um, and again, that is available as a pledge. Um, the kits will retail for $50. Um, these are going to be a um, $45 pledge on Kickstarter. And again, these will have the, um, the malt bag um, packaging and the new patterns, new style patterns in the uh, recycled paper brochure with um, lots of tutorial videos and a digital download. Yes, and this is an eight ounce skein and there are uh, 1,200 yards? 660 yards in this one because it's sport weight. Oh, okay. That's right. I was thinking of the sock weight, eight ounce. Um, 660 yards. So it's a more than twice a normal sized, 100% uh, super fine alpaca. So that's why the price is there. Um, but it will be very, very nice, large shawl. Yeah, you can, I mean, there's enough in one of those games to basically make Almost like a vest or a sweater. Yeah. yeah. Um, so those are the three kits we're featuring. Then we have a couple of other cool things. So if you get all three kits, um, you get a little bit of a discount um, again. So it's a $100 pledge, we'll get you all three kits. If you want to upgrade a little bit further, and this has been the most popular one so far, $135 um, will get you all three kits, but will also get you um, an eight ounce skein um, of the sock, sock yarn that we'll be using. But I will custom dye for you. So I'm asking you to send me a picture of whatever you like, and I will custom dye you a skein inspired by that picture. It will be specially labelled for you as a one-off to go with your kits. Um, so this is a, a as an extra special thing that you will get a an exclusive one-off uh, skein of yarn at a really good price too. And I have visions of doing something really, really cheesy with this. My brain immediately jumped to a picture of a couple together. 
um, you could get Dave to custom dye a skein of yarn based on that picture. Um, and then you could knit wedding socks for the couple out of it. I don't know why cute. I am just obsessed with this idea. <laughs> um, uh, you, so you, you could knit bride and groom socks out of a uh, skein of yarn that was inspired by a picture of theirs. And you could have a framed copy of the picture. Okay, I'm done now. I just think it would be, I think you could do a very special occasion sort of projects with this. So those are um, our main pledge levels. There's also a, a $5 digital pl uh, pledge level where you can pledge to get uh, one of the um, new style patterns that we're releasing with these kits as a digital copy. Or if you feel like just chipping in because you've been enjoying the podcast and want to um, basically thank us for our work, you can donate uh, with no reward. Um, so do go and check that out. This is really exciting for us. It'll allow us to do lots of new things. And uh, we got some cool new products that we will be developing for you, uh, whether the Kickstarter goes ahead or not. So Yes, we would love for you to support the Kickstarter. But if that's not in the guards for you right this minute, we totally get it. Um, all of these kits will be made, um, and they will be available eventually for on our online store. Uh, so if it doesn't work out right now, stay tuned. There will still be kits. Just take us a bit longer. Yep. January 8th is the magic day when the Kickstarter is all or nothing. We've either made our goal or we have not. So get over there before January 8th if you want to get your pre-ordered kit for a discount. So the link for that is bit.ly slash nomadkick. Um, that's a short link that will take you straight to the project. There's a long video there where we talk about us. You get to see a little bit of the of the store you get to see all of our visions for the new things um so yeah we're really excited um we hope you like these new kits whether you support us on kickstarter or not yep and that is it for today we hope you have a good end of december yeah thanks for listening have a good lead up to the holidays see you next time thanks for listening everyone find us on facebook on our group nomad Jana's podcast on Instagram as Nomad Yarns, or on Ravelry in our group Nomad Yarners. Find show notes with links to things we talked about on today's show on our website, nomadyarnshop.com slash podcast. And as I tell all my classes, in crafting, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. <laughs>